So the question is, how do women like us, age 50 plus, and dealing with high blood pressure, high blood sugars, and rising cholesterol levels, how do we keep our health numbers under control while we're trying to squeeze all the goodness we can from our life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I uncover the secrets of living a plant-based lifestyle, including how to avoid taking medicine simply by eating whole foods, shed the extra fluff around your middle without being hungry or joining a gym, make big lifestyle changes even if you think you have no willpower, eat food you love with no portion control. Let's get your doctor to say, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. All this without meds or restrictive dieting. I'm Robin Wong, and welcome to No Pills, No Hunger. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Robin. This is episode 61. You're listening to No Pills, No Hunger. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you're having a great day. Um, You know, everyone knows the obvious struggles behind um, managing type 2 diabetes. And I hear it all the time from clients with, you know, just uh, just 24-7. And I've talked about this a lot because it's real, okay? And I don't think our loved ones understand sometimes the worry and the struggle and the, um, the exhaustion that comes with thinking about diabetes all the time and every, every meal because we eat, right? And it's a, it's a food issue. It's a, not an issue with food, but it's, it's a, a disease that's impacted by the foods you eat. So that's why it's top of mind all the time, okay? Because we eat multiple times a day and uh, and so and it's also why people. This is what I find too. That's why people think that they can manage it on their own because they eat. Everyone eats, and so they think they're an expert in eating. But it's like, yeah, but you know, it's because you know how to eat doesn't mean you know how to feed your body for with diabetes. Okay, <laughs> there's a difference. But anyway, don't get me started on that. Um, but you know, this constant vigilance over uh, blood sugars um, and you know, weight, even that comes with that, and this constant uh, striving to be healthy, um, it's it's really uh, kind of, like I said, 24-7. And, you know, it's it's obvious that having to get the prescriptions, going to the doctor, so many people avoid going to the doctor because they're afraid of what they're going to be told, or, or they are told they're going to have to go on medicines and they don't want to. I understand that. That's, that's good. Try something else. Um, but Everyone kind of knows that, okay? In your world, uh, you know, people know that's what exists, all right? Even people not in your immediate world kind of know the, the, you know, the basics of diabetes because there's so much information out there. So they often think, oh, you have diabetes, it means you have to take medicines or you can't eat carbs. That's really what you hear, okay? Even if they don't have someone in their immediate circle with diabetes. But Kind of what they don't know. What's what's hidden behind that? Okay, um, you know, no one that gets type two diabetes can be prepared for the intense feelings of shame and guilt that come with the diagnosis. Okay, and you know, maybe that's not you. I hope not. Okay, I hope you don't. Ha- that hasn't gone there. But you know, there's um, you know denial sometimes. Then and that really happens in the pre-diabetes phase where 
they're they're able to be more you're able to be more of an ostrich with your head in the sand about it and um i interviewed someone not too long ago that uh that was her she's like ah oh, it's not so bad yet I, I you know and she would kind of dabble with improving her diet but then slip back into her old habits and pretty soon you get the type 2 diagnosis i almost wish that they and she and i talked about this that they would get away from this whole pre-diabetes range altogether because, you know, we know you can reverse it way more easily, um, you know, if you start sooner. And so it just, it prolongs, you know, we could really, and, and it's supposed to be a wake up call, but it's not. Okay. For so many people, it is not. But um, these feelings that come with the diagnosis and the confusion, the frustration, uh, not knowing how to eat anymore, uh, just, you know, those are surface, but deeper you have this shame and this guilt that I've had clients tell me about. And these emotions can be so strong, they really hold you back from making healthy changes that you need to in your life, okay? And um, where do the feelings come from? That's really what I'm always interested in, uh, what's driving those feelings. And I think that there are some strong stigmas um, about people with, with type 2 diabetes, okay? Um, I don't hold these, but I think in society, there can be these stigmas around diabetes because it's strongly associated with lifestyle. Um, you hear it all the time. It's a chronic diet-related disease. It's um, a lifestyle disease. It's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of how it's branded, so to speak, in the, in the media and in the world. And people assume that um, people that don't have diabetes, you know, they make these assumptions about that, right? And um, sometimes it's like, oh, it's it's your fault because it's, if you just quit eating that food, right? Uh, or if you just exercised more, or if you lost weight, um, you know, somehow they make it be your fault that you have type two diabetes. And um, almost like you're irresponsible for the choices you're making that have, uh, around your health. Now, I have to just clearly state, that's not what I think, okay? I, um, I, I am on a mission to dispel those myths, okay? Um, and, you know, just let people know that, no, you're wrong, okay? There's a predisposition to diabetes for sure. And yes, food impacts that. But I can tell you in my own experience with my husband, um, you know, we were doing what we thought was healthy, what the information given to us. So our culture in the U.S., the foods that we have available to us, the foods that are predominantly in our everyday life, right, are the foods that trigger it, okay? And uh, it's, a, it's a whole paradigm shift to get away from that. Um, and to really make those changes. And so the people that are eating um, the same way you, you might have been, okay, eating the fried foods, eating the the um, the saturated fat, the meats, it's it's so prevalent, the cheese, it's so prevalent. And the people that are eating it and not getting diabetes is because they don't have the predisposition for it, okay? They, and there's nothing there to trigger, okay? They might have other health issues, believe me. They'll, they'll likely get heart disease if they keep on that way. They could have um, GI issues, you know, um, you know, uh, colon cancer is way associated to meat consumption. So diabetes may not be what happens to them, 
but it's it's nothing you did. I just want you to know that it's it's the lifestyle we all live in in the U.S. Okay, and some people you always hear, oh, I had an aunt who smoked and drank and ate everything she wanted and lived to be a hundred. She's an outlier on the bell-shaped curve. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, and you don't know. She might have felt lousy, but she thought she felt good, right? You don't know. Um, and and so and you know we all hear those stories, but they're not the norm. Okay. And so really I want these stigmas just frustrate me so badly, you know, so much because it's like, you know, they just don't have all the information. Okay. But what does that do to people with type two diabetes? What does that do to these thoughts they have about themselves? And, and so no one wants to be associated with being lazy and irresponsible and, you know, you eat too much and that's why, you know, are you, you, you know, you don't take responsibility or you're, you don't want to be healthy. And, you know, they make you be your, because of what you did and, and no one wants to be associated with that. And, um, you know, so we often respond, people with type 2 diabetes often respond with that, to that stigma by hiding the diagnosis, okay, from others. And, and they neglect to get the support they need all right, to successfully manage and live with type 2 diabetes. So because you fear, you fear what people are going to think. They're going to think less of you. They're going to think, you know, it's your fault and you think it's your fault possibly, okay? And this shame and guilt kind of permeates um, deep down, okay? So I, I, I've had clients tell me that they're almost like a closet diabetic, they haven't shared with their family, okay? Um, they they don't want to have people make these assumptions. And so they deal with this on their own. They don't share that, you know, there's, um, I just did an interview for the, the upcoming summit with um, this really great guy. And he worked with Luther Vandross and who had diabetes. And literally he didn't, he hit it. You know, no one knew and he had these struggles and really if he had managed it better and had help managing it, he would have lived so much longer and the world was robbed of his genius, of his music and his, his genius because he did not share and get help managing his type 2 diabetes. I'm so excited to bring this interview to you um, with this, this, um, uh, this fellow um, because if more people stood up and said, I have it, I'm managing it, I'm, it's a struggle every day possibly, or I, you know, it's up and downs, but you know, you could model after that, but people keep it in because of the stigma. And so, you know, let me ask you this. Do you, have you told your family? All right. Uh, do you, uh, getting anxiety eating out with friends because you don't want them to be the diabetes police and pick apart your um, you know, what you're doing. Like, can you eat that? I mean, that gets old really quick. I had to quit. Okay. I was guilty of that. I had to get, I had to quit doing that because I wasn't the one living with diabetes 24 seven. My husband was. And so it's like, you know what, if he is a grown man, if he, you know, I did my best to make, you know, sure everything was, you know, in his reach was healthy, but some days he just wanted something different. Okay. And that's fine. It's one meal. It's one snack. It's, you know, it's like 
someone recently told me, go with the 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, you know, I, I would do, you know, I would say maybe go with the 90-10 rule. That's what we kind of worked with with him. Um, our 95-5%, just where occasionally he would um, maybe splurge because, um, you know, just, every, but find what it is for you. Okay. And, but if, if you're kind of getting anxiety around sharing this information or eating out in public with your friends, or do you hide checking your blood sugar checks, um, you know, uh, then, you know, it means you're kind of not sharing your type two diabetes and that's fine. I think you need to really share, choose who you share it with, who's going to be supportive and not, and support you opposed to those who are going to have these judgments. Okay. And I think that's really valid to do that. But the point is, is you don't, I don't want you to go this alone. Okay. Because, um, it's a hard road. It can be a hard bumpy road and managing it. And especially until you get it managed, until you learn all the skills to live successfully with type two diabetes. So I just think that, um, you know, if people knew about your diagnosis, you know, they're not going to think less of you. They're just not. And those people that do, then you know what? Forget them. Okay. Um, they don't know what it's like. They just don't. And and maybe you can educate them. You know, I mean, if you think they're going to judge you, then don't share. All right. Um, but just know that, I, I mean, I get it. People are quick to judge. They are. And you've got enough to deal with at this point. Um, but, you know, here, I just really want you to take this away. It's not your fault. Having type 2 diabetes is not your fault, all right? And, um, you know, it can happen to anyone. It really can. And you might share the exact same eating and exercise habits as someone else, and you end up with diabetes, and they wouldn't. It's like I said. So just know that that, that does exist. Um, and what I want you to also know, and I've said this before, is nobody is born knowing how to manage and prevent diabetes. We're just not. Um, you know, I, I had a hard time with this myself. That's why I share it because, um, you know, I felt like a bit of a failure when my husband got diabetes. I thought I was cooking all these healthy foods and we were living this healthy lifestyle and bam, it slaps you upside the head. <laughs> nope. You got diabetes, not even pre-diabetes. You got full on, he's got full on type two diabetes. And, and then it's like, wow, now what do we do? Okay. I, I became educated. I started learning everything I could. I, I knew we didn't want to do the meds, as you know, and uh, we wanted to avoid complications. So, you know, we sought help. We really did in, in a way of just learning. Um, it was a long road. It took us a long time. Um, and that is why I do what I do. Okay. It brought me to this point, honestly, to go back to school and um, get my degree and learn how to help people not have to go through what I did so they could manage their diabetes. And <clears throat> this is what drove me to create my program, Reverse Diabetes Method, because I just see, I was working one-on-one -on -one with clients and, uh, you know, which is wonderful. I love it. I love, love, love it. But I'm not making the impact that I want to make because there's only one of me. Okay. There's only one of me. And, um, and so I was like, what, there's got to be another way. And so that's when I developed my program. That's basically, um, I give the information to people, um, in a format where they can work out at their own pace. All right. So they're getting all the information, but then 
they come to me and we have our sessions where they have, um, I'm not spending all my time educating them because they do that. They listen to me and get educated on their own. And then we come together and we really hammer out the barriers, the questions, the, um, you know, the, the sticking points they might be having. Okay. And we do this in a group. So they learn from other people. It's very dynamic. You learn so much from others going through the same process. Because what I was finding one-on-one -on -one is people had the same questions over and over and over again. And I would have to tell them, you know, individually, well, in this way, you're able to save time. You're able to get through this program in 12 weeks and see changes. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, I see changes with my clients that have done the program in less than 12 weeks. But 12 weeks is really the magic number to really make it a lifestyle change, okay? So... And it's so exciting because I just wanted people to have an avenue, women to have an avenue to really help themselves and get out of the shame and guilt, all right? Take control of their health in a positive way. Be your own best advocate and really start, um, you know, managing your diabetes successfully and get off the roller coaster of counting carbs and and portion control and restriction, um, you know, and so that's what I, I, why I developed my program, Reverse Diabetes Methods. So um, it's exciting. I'm so excited about it. I love seeing the results. I just, with my clients, I just do. Um, so just know that, um, you know, you can learn more about my program. Um, and there's a link in the, in the show notes and you can, on the call, we can go through your goals and kind of what's stopping you. And so you end the call, you learn more about the program. And if it's for you, then you can, you know, we can go there. But if it's not, you'll still walk away from the call in the right direction with your goals, with getting those barriers, putting to sleep the shame and guilt, okay? And getting, um, be becoming more proactive in, in your health, okay? So it's, um, and just don't be afraid to ask for help. Okay. Don't be afraid. Uh, and put that shame and guilt aside. Okay. It's not your fault. That's what I want you to walk away with. Okay. So, uh, that, that was the whole point of this because it comes up over and over for people. Uh, they are afraid to share. And when I had this interview with this man and heard about Luther, um, and I was like, this is this powerful, successful, person at the top of his career who was feeling shame and guilt and hiding his diabetes. And he had access to coaches. He had the money to afford the coaches and he still didn't reach out for help. Okay. So, um, you know, I just, I don't want that to be you. I don't want it to be you. Okay. So get the help you need, get the, re you get the resources you need and get on with your life. Okay, living your life. That's what I want for you. Okay, so as always, have a great day. I hope this information helps and keep choosing plants. Thank you for tuning in today. I know there's about a million ways you can spend your time, and I really do appreciate that you spent some time with me. Thank you. If you got something out of this episode and know someone who would also appreciate it, make sure to share it with them. We are all trying to get healthier in order to live well, and you can show them you care about their health by sharing the, these messages. Want to start improving your health today? 
One place I like to start with clients is breakfast, since morning habits are the easiest to build. That's why I created a guide called Three Breakfasts to Lower Blood Sugars, which includes easy, delicious recipes for my favorite meals to start the day. Pick it up today for free at page.nutritionwithrobinrdn.com forward slash guide or click the link for three breakfasts to lower blood sugar in the show notes. Thanks again and see you in the next episode.